So, Martin, I think it's it's going to happen today. Wait, what's going to happen? I'm going to go do that 50-mile bike ride. Yeah? Yes. That's not like 120,000 million one. Exactly. It's that's, not. That's better. It's is only a, 50. Wh- why so, is it 50? Is this an organized event, or are you just riding 50 it, miles I've just somewhere? had these, like on Strava, you can map out routes in advance. So, and this is kind of relevant. I didn't even think about this, but... It's relevant to what we're going to talk about today, but you can map out routes in advance. And I've had like a few routes that I've been really wanting to ride. And then every day this week, something happens and I can't do it fair for whatever reason. And you know what happened this morning? I woke up and um, our video editors, their hard drive had crashed in the middle of the night. Oh, oh I didn't tell you about this earlier. Oh, that's awesome. So you get to actually have a genuine reaction. That's a good news. Which this is awesome. It's not a, a genuine good, news. Good, good reaction to this. I don't think. Yeah. Yeah, apparently their hard drives had failed, which prompted mm-hmm. me to order a brand new six terabyte hard drive because I am very aware that the hard drive sitting in that computer holding many of the old videos is coming up on three years old now. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's probably about time to transfer everything to a new one. Just, I mean, I have a backup thing, but. Yeah, what I think you mean is that we're going to fill this whole room with racks and hard drives and RAID arrays, and it's just going to be really cool. I've been thinking about how to do that. Like, the whole wall, like, 7 billion petabytes all over. We're going to have it in, like, RAID 20. Yeah. So there's 20 backups. Yeah. But it's all in one room that's running, like, a million hard drives. So, of course, the room will catch on fire. No, that's nonsense. And all the backups in the room will die. Nothing is wrong with this. It's fine. (laughs) But, yes, I'm very excited to get a bike ride in. Luckily... We emailed everyone who was involved in the video production. They're like, cool, delay it by a day. You're good to go. So mm. today's cool. just podcast day. That's nice. And then I'm going to finally get a bike ride in. All right. So before we get into the topic, I have to do something real quick here. I have to put these on. Really? For just a second. This, I'm sure this is important. Well, this is the most meta episode ever. Yeah. So I need to be wearing these for at least a few seconds. Fair. I'm not going to wear them for the whole time, though, because the lights probably bounce off of them. And they look ridiculous. But I am going to hide them on the set. Oh, no, they don't fit in the set. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, what? they'll fit that way. Ha-ha. All right. So you told me we got a question a while ago about how to actually implement all the pro- uh, productivity tips that yeah. we put out there on the internet that other people, I'm sure that people who watch our podcast, watch my channel, probably listen to other people on the internet. Yeah. And I mean, I've felt this before. It's just like there's this deluge of productivity tips and all these things I'm supposed to do. How do I put them all into action? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I was seeing people who were like either they, they find a couple resources and they're like, but my problem's still not solved. Or people who read like 20, 30, 40 productivity books and they're yeah. just like, but I don't feel like it's doing enough or anything really. Yeah. What is what is the magic secret to actually gain something from this other than a Goodreads list that makes you look smart. Because obviously that's not the point. You shouldn't be reading these kind of things just to look really cool on Goodreads. You're trying to solve something, arguably. Yep. Yeah, and it's tough, but I think that's the point. So, and before we get into this, uh, there's tea. It's ready. Oh, cool. I I went with, how do you pronounce it? Pu'er? Pu'er? Pu'er is how I've always pronounced it. Because I'm just going off of like the characterization in Wikipedia. Okay. But I forget what exactly it doesn't is really matter. It's like fermented. Fermented tea. It came in like like little bricks almost yeah. in the bag. Yeah. And then I like had to do this thing where I like mold rinsed and it. stuff. 
Ooh, I love drinking mold. Nothing like some mold. Yeah. Um, I had to do a little rinse thing, and I looked up how to do it on YouTube, and the most fashionable and fancy man, and all the comments were like, this man owns many leather-bound books, taught yeah. me how to do it. Yeah. Ooh. He did it in a much fancier way than I did it. He yeah. was like sitting there, he had his teapot inside of like this dish so he could rinse the teapot with freshly boiled water, and he's like, you don't want a rolling boil. You want the boil just before it rolls, and then put a little bit over your teapot and then rinse your tea leaves and then pour the rinse over the teapot because that's going to give your teapot patina. And I'm like, just want to drink some tea, bro. It's getting real. <laughs> it's getting I really feel real. like you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to go do that later. But a lot of that makes sense. I don't understand it. I don't know what, I do know what patina is. I don't think I care about getting patina on my teapot. That I don't think you do. <laughs> it looks pretty, you, you know, hammered out and rustic as it is. So, but yeah, poo our tea. Yeah, oh, for there the record, I haven't practiced Chinese in like 17 years. So if I'm wrong, it's not my fault. In the video, he was saying like pu'er, just like it, he almost like made it one syllable almost. Yeah, well, I've, I I've seen I've seen people here pronounce it pure, but I'm just pure. going off of okay. the like the pinion. Okay, that I, I saw. I think Tim Ferriss calls memory. it just pu'er on yeah, his so. podcast, which is a great podcast, the Tim Ferriss Show. I love that show. It's one of my favorite podcasts. Uh, so for this episode, I didn't write this down, but when it comes to solving a problem or building a skill, there's kind of like three stages or maybe like three different activities. Okay. There's the learning stage where you are reading the productivity books or you're reading the blog posts online telling you how to do everything. There's the tool acquisition stage where you're buying the stuff. And then there's the longest and hardest stage, which is doing the actual work. Okay. So I think that a lot of people have trouble implementing all these things because the tool acquisition stage and the learning stage are comparatively very easy and they give you like an abnormally high sense of progression. Oh yeah. Because like, let's just use guitar for an example. It's going to take me a long time to learn to play a song on the guitar or like that piano song you were playing yesterday. You know, like you were saying, there's, there's like six key groups that I have to play with this left hand and then I have to go over here and it's taking you weeks just to learn one section of that song. Yeah. So it's like, it's a slog. The sense of progression seems slow and it takes you a long time. By contrast, I mean, how much effort did it take for you to go buy that piano? Um, one day where I went and looked and then I was like, okay, I'm going to give this at least a day and think about it. And then I came back in a few hours and was like, I already thought about it. I want it now. Yeah. So obviously <laughs> not nearly as much effort. <laughs> I think even the day before that you were like, I might get a piano sometime in the next yeah. few months. Yeah. And then one day later then you're like, became, I'm buying it. Then it became immediate. Yeah. Uh, couldn't get that out of my head. Yeah. But, but I mean, it's a pretty it's, cool piano. So I have no regrets. You know, piano's awesome. I bought that guitar. It was fun. Like every time you buy something new, especially if it's going to help you do something, like if it's not just a dumb knickknack, it's exciting. Well, it feels like it's enhancing your identity. I'm now that guy with a piano. And yeah, to does. anyone else, if I'm like, hey, I just bought this piano. It's pretty cool. What they might hear, or at least what I might think they hear is, wow, Martin's so cool. He must mm-hmm. play piano, even if I haven't touched it yet, even if I don't really know how to play or something. Yeah. Like having the thing already bolsters your confidence. Yeah. Like or cycling is a good uh, example. I just went and bought clipless pedals for my bike and the shoes that go along with it. And like, yes, those make me a faster cyclist, but it's not like it's very different than putting the work in to actually improve my times or whatever. 
Yeah, you could just it's get just, that. I just bought a thing that was very easy to do. And on the same token, it is so easy to go watch tons of blog posts or watch tons of videos, read tons of blog posts, listen to tons of podcasts, all that kind of stuff. You feel like you're progressing because you are gaining knowledge. But then eventually, I think a lot of people hit that frustrated point where they're like, I'm not actually doing anything with this or I feel completely overwhelmed. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's really just a, it's just getting beyond the addiction to the faster sense of progress that you get in those two stages. Like with the biking thing, I've been watching this guy on YouTube. His name's like, I think it's Nate Hill. And he makes these amazing mountain biking videos with like a gimbal on his chest where he's going down these mountains at like ridiculous speeds that it's like scares me to watch almost. And then he's like, you know what the most frequent question I get is what kind of bike you running? What's your build, man? That's like, that's the most frequent by far question he gets. Not how do I learn proper handlebar technique or how do I, you know, how should I um, put my seat post or like anything involving like work people ask less often than just what is the oh, thing yeah. that you're using? Because again, it seems so easy that I could just go out and buy the same bike that Nate Hill is using. <laughs> That's not going to work. I can go die. out and get the same teapot that Martin and Thomas use and I will become 10% more Zen overnight. Like it's that boom, instant gratification thing. Yeah. So how do we get past that? I think is like a good crystallization to this question. Yeah, because you you end up investing a lot of stuff, and then you're frustrated when you've invested in like ten different issues over the years, and you never did anything, even though you've got all the stack of books and exactly and materials and a bunch of stuff in your closet. So Remember the social reality work? concept? Yeah, the where, kind of thing where you don't want to talk about your challenge too early or your goals yeah. in a way that makes it boost your confidence before you've earned it. Exactly, which is why you and I talk about like if you're going to talk about your goals, talk about the the work you're putting in instead of the I'm going to be this. Yeah someday, yeah. you know, or I'm going to do this um, because that social reality comes into play where you've said it and now you get a little bit of satisfaction with the the response you get from other people. Like, oh, it's so cool you're doing that. Yeah. So I think it always needs to be tempered with like some sort of accountability system or a partner who will keep you accountable, something like that. Yeah. To and keep it and like check. you said, I always like to word anything I'm doing in terms of my actual actions. And if I'm not acting on that goal yet, it's not something I'm telling anyone likely because then it's my actual reality and I'm just relaying it. That's not going to give me a social reality. Yeah, exactly. I'm actually studying things. Mm -hmm. This is pretty good, by the way. Yeah. I was very afraid that it was, I was going to like take a sip and it'll be super no, bitter. pretty good. But it's actually not. Yeah, it's good. It's like very earthy. Yeah. That's, that's what it's good for. Real smooth and earthy. When I took it out of the bag, it did kind of look like dirt clumps that had been picked up off oh, the ground. Oh, that's all it is. It's actually, this is just dirt water. We're just drinking dirty water. And I paid that much for it. Yeah, but it's good. It's like 25 water. bucks for the bag. I could just go outside and just put dirt in my teapot. You can. <laughs> Life hack right there. I guarantee it will work. <laughs> All right. In so some I've, way. I've got some things on my list here, but I'm curious to see what you put down. This was your topic after all. Yes. Well, first, I have that basically one of the most important things here, and this is for life in general, but especially with the productivity uh, we talked about essentialism a little while back, and it talks about prioritization, mm -hmm. about how it's not like priority originally meant one thing, and more right. or less, it's not a real priority if you wouldn't sacrifice something for it. So in this case, before you try to read a book or listen to some sort of episode that's like in some, maybe you listen to the new episodes because they're new, but before you're like, I'm going to go listen to resources or find resources on this specific problem, you need to pick that problem and make it your priority problem. So for example, right now, 
I'm working on a series of sequential 30-day challenges that I'm using to help balance my goals in a way that's working really well for me but wouldn't be necessary for somebody else. Okay. But I'm also trying to cook more. One of those has priority, and that's the 30-day goal. So I have 100%ed that for the entire last one and so far in the current one. But I'm also trying to cook more. So what happens if I'm running out of time at the end of the day and I have to pick? I know which one to say no to. I'll make a peanut butter sandwich or go buy something. Okay. So if you don't pick a very specific problem to work on and you're trying to do everything at once, you're going to burn out. You're going to explode. If I say, tomorrow, every one of you listeners should wake up at 6 a.m., write your morning pages, uh, work out, make a healthy vegan breakfast from scratch. I want you to go for a walk, meditate for five minutes, uh, take a cold shower. Six hours, actually. Oh, yeah, six hours. Take a cold shower. Make a nice paleo lunch. Now it's paleo. I don't care. And then what I'm going to want you to do is write down your three most important things for the day, make time blocks, start doing Pomodoro sessions, and then I want you to have a wind-down ritual, have fun with all your friends and family, and drink green tea instead of coffee. No caffeine too late in the day, though. And you're going to make dinner. Now you're going to meditate again. You're going to turn off all your electronics, wear orange glasses, go to bed, write what you're going to do tomorrow, sleep and start again. You can't do that tomorrow. <laughs> and if you do that tomorrow, you you can't do it for too long. You're going to hate everything. The most productive person you're, in the world. You're going to spend all day, every day for the next however long that happens, just like regretting everything as you have to force every single move. You know, the funny thing is, like, I think that we have mentioned almost all of those as good things to do at some point. They are good things to but do. But that whole daily schedule you just spitballed, like, didn't include very much actual deep work time. No. <laughs> it no, like it also just... didn't include any fun. So if you want to play games, read books, build Lego dinosaurs, too bad. It looks like you're just doing a bunch of stuff that sounded really smart yeah. on the internet. And nothing else yeah, exactly. is actually substantial. <laughs> Whereas if you were to pick any one of those things and they were the solution to your one problem, mm -hmm. that could be useful. If you if you pick that one thing to focus on and then you just – the other ones can – they're not important right now. You can solve one problem at a time. So how do you pick the problem or how do you pick the interest? Because this is something I dealt with as a student. I'm like I know I'm supposed to prioritize one thing, but I really don't know how to choose it. Yeah, so if it's a problem – it would be useful if this problem was kind of a bottleneck or something that would open up a, a solution to a lot of other problems. Okay. So say you're you're low on energy and you're not that confident, but also you've re you you wanted to work out. If you work out, you might solve the other two problems. If you pick one problem that will make you better and in a better position later to solve the other problems, and that's probably a good place to start. Uh, if you have to pick an interest. You can do what I'm doing, which is I have several things. So I am doing the sequential 30-day challenges mm -hmm. where for this month, essentially, I'm going to focus on reading Spanish every day and do a 30-day challenge, make sure I'm doing it, make progress in one thing. And then in the next month, I'll do another one. Okay. Because otherwise, if I don't do that, I might start to feel somewhere during that 30 days oh, no, I'm never going to make any progress in, in French or Japanese. I'm not doing it. I've only been working on Spanish. Yeah. But it's planned. I'll get to them later. Okay. I'm trying to think of how I prioritize my interests because I would say my two main interests at the moment are guitar and cycling. But I don't feel particularly structured in either one. Well, you don't have to structure all so, of your interests. Yeah, I, I suppose that's a good thing to point out. Like, 
I don't to, structure photography. To get the optimal results, you don't always have to structure the thing because the optimal results may very well be something that you couldn't really measure. Well, something this that is, wouldn't you know fit nicely into a data report. This is exactly why you can't just blindly follow random advice, whatever the last thing you heard was, because yeah. let's say you want to bike more. The solution may be to make biking easier, a la the 20-second rule, things like that. Mm -hmm. It may be to have a 30-day challenge to force you to do it until you've built a habit. It may be to have output-based goals and accountability. It may be a lot of things. Yeah. So you can't just you can't just jump onto like the solution I just said because mm -hmm. I'm not an all-knowing guru and the specifics of your situation and any of the listeners' situations is completely different from anything that I've ever known. Yeah. Uh, I kind of want to jump around then because this was like the last thing on my bullet list, but this is a good point for it. Um, don't try to optimize everything. Yeah. Like it's okay if some things are not optimal. I was having a conversation with Noah Kagan at dinner a couple of weeks ago. I think we mentioned that last episode. Uh, another thing he mentioned is like, I've just been not caring if everything is optimized. And what that ends up doing is it frees up a lot of brain space for optimizing the things that you truly care about. And yeah. you mentioned that uh, Charlie Munger, who's Warren Buffett's business partner, he's like a notoriously bad driver, but he doesn't care because why optimize driving skills when you know you optimize your ability to make money and then you could hire a chauffeur to take you anywhere you want to go yeah. or you know from our perspective you could take Ubers everywhere if you want to do that like you don't need to optimize your i mean obviously health is like it's it's hard to say don't optimize your health but clearly a lot of people take it too far everyone's like you know there's some people who are like I got to track my water intake I got to get my macros perfect I have to make sure I work out this many times per week in this exact same schedule and if you're trying to do that but also trying to learn guitar and get great grades that's it's just it's going to overwhelm you yeah yeah that's that's why I'm saying like pick one thing and and like I said I am cooking more it's just that when push comes to shove that one will be cut yeah if my priority needs to be maintained and that's true of anything. If I, oh no, I forgot to do my stretches today. Well, if I do this one thing, then I still succeeded at that. I can keep trying to work on stretches later. And if it becomes too much of a problem, that'll be my next big focus. Yeah. But actually, wanna... I, I'm, I'm curious. And I think this would be interesting to do. What are you not optimized in right now? Um, anything outside of my morning routine. So I'm not optimizing my social life very well. I'm not making sure and being specific about doing stuff there. I'm not optimizing my cooking. I'm cooking more, but it's really casual and I don't care if I miss a few days and have to buy food or make sandwiches or something. Yeah. I'm not optimizing my reading of fiction or nonfiction. I'm focusing entirely on reading the Spanish book that I was finishing. Okay. I am not optimizing my piano. I've been kind of just messing around for a few weeks, not making a lot of progress. I'm not playing as many video games as I want, so I'm not optimizing fun. I'm just the only thing that matters every day is that I do my job and that obviously that I eat enough and then I want to do the priority and then after that it's whatever I feel like. I've accomplished the one thing that's important. My morning routine doesn't need to be optimized because it's already really simple and more or less a habit now. Yeah. And that's an important thing to note is that if you can make something into a habit, it doesn't really require any thought or much work. So yeah. it's really easy to do that and focus on something big. But maybe at first you'd want to focus on each of those individual habits until you've built them. Okay. For my part, I'll be completely honest, my morning routine right now kind of sucks. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yep. Um, 
I've kind of gotten myself into a weird corner with that. So I had a conversation with Anna and I was, this was maybe a month or two ago. And I was like, I want to spend more time together. And I think a good way to do that would be for us to eat breakfast together every morning. Uh, noble intentions. The only problem with that is she gets up basically just in time to get dressed, eat something quickly, and then get off to work. And she just like biologically needs more sleep than me. So really, if I wanted her to be making breakfast, I would have to say, okay, you need to get up earlier. And that would require her to go to bed earlier. And that would kind of screw up the nights. So really what it ended up being is like Tom makes breakfast every morning. For a while, I was very disciplined about that. I'd get up, I'd cook breakfast. But then I I was getting really frustrated because I would have to clean the kitchen right afterwards. And then I wanted to go work out and I wouldn't get started with work until like 930 sometimes. And that just doesn't work very well for me. Yeah. So right now we're very unoptimized with that. I'll like wake up, skate to Whole Foods, like buy us breakfast burritos (laughs) and then come back and we'll eat those in the morning. And then like my morning routine is just not as regimented as it used to be. I used to get up and and people who listen to this podcast know I used to get up and meditate and I, you know, do a workout or whatever. So it's kind of devolved. But I think that's okay because, again, we're not trying to optimize every single thing at once. That is a recipe for failure. So over the past, you know, probably 45 days at this point, I've been exercising much more often. It was every single day for 30 days. I think I kept up the daily habit until around 40 days. And then this week I let it slip, which we will consider or we will cover in this episode as well. Um, But I've still been exercising like, I don't know, 95% more than I was. Yeah, so it's still a massive so, improvement. Massive improvement. Um, I want to do a video on it at some point. Like it's made me think very differently about exercise. It's made me challenge myself a lot more. So I'm optimizing very well in the exercise department. And then the other thing we realized, which I think we also may have mentioned last week, was that uh, Anna and I are going out to eat too much. So the other thing we're trying to do is like cook much more often. So I'm just like, all right, my personal life, if I can stay exercising all the time, get to a, a nice routine where we cook, the majority of the time instead of going out to eat and we can turn those into solid habits. Then I can turn my attention to something else. Maybe my morning routine. Maybe it's, you know, bottlenecks on the videos. Like professionally, that's where you and I identified. That's like the biggest issue right now is we have a horrible production schedule. That is very stressful and or a lack of a production or or lack of a production schedule. Yeah. We seem to be pretty decent with the schedule on the podcast, but not for long. We're getting very regimented about that. And that's good because we've identified like, me and my writing is like the bottleneck. So that is where I need to optimize. I don't need to optimize in, you know, redesigning the website or going and rewriting a bunch of articles or a bunch of other things that I was doing that we realized you could do. Like, it's just, it's not worth my time. And it's not going, if I try to focus on all those things then I'm not going to be able to improve in the thing that really matters. Yeah. Well, we talked before about, like, I think it was in the essentialism episode, if not some other book about like, Fixing your slowest hiker. How can you improve that? Because when you improve the worst thing, you improve the rest by default. Yeah. And similarly, in one of the other books, it explicitly states, I don't remember which book it is, but but they explicitly state you cannot optimize a system for more than one variable at a time because your life as a system, every time I, I affect one of these variables, I'm trying to make the most out of my language practice. Yeah. It will affect the other variables. Mm-hmm. And therefore, to optimize a second variable... 
would affect the first variable that I am trying to optimize for. Yeah. So it is just the system is really complicated, and you're going to get in over your head, you're going to burn out, and you're going to feel like a failure even when you're doing a good job. Mm-hmm. It's like that iron triangle of project management. I don't know if you've heard of that. But it's like any project has a budget, uh, has a scope, and it has the time in which it will be completed. And if you want to optimize for one, then you are more more than likely going to be affecting the other two, but you will guarantee be affecting at least one of them. So, yeah. you know, if we want to build a website and, you know, we can do it for $5,000, we can do it in three months and it can be, you know, X scope, maybe, you know, however many pages we want, however many features we want to build, yeah. however fast we want it to be. And then I'm like, okay, but I also wanted to have like dancing cats that come across the bottom of the screen. And it also needs to have literally every single one of Google's new schema things built in. Yeah. Either you're going to have to spend more time coding it. So maybe we go from three months to six months, or you have to bring on somebody else and that increases the budget. Yeah. And it probably would still increase the time because now you have to train a new person. You guys are trying to work together. There's all these things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Actually, there's there some like software development book written back in the 70s or maybe 90s. I can't remember. But he has this rule about at some point, the more people you add to a software development project, like it starts to increase the time. Yeah. I actually read something about that yesterday, coincidentally I enough. Oh, wait. Did you find it in our Trello board? Um, I don't think so. Because I just I think remembered. I just happened upon it on the internet somehow. I created that the Trello board of like articles that are mildly interesting but not important right now, right? Um, yes, I think I did. Yeah. That, yep. I think that was a useful thing to set up because there's a lot of times when I'll come across something and be like, that would be cool to make a video on or somehow incorporate into something we do, but not now. Yeah. I just want to save it somehow. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's one variable will affect another variable. I like to think of this, uh, in terms of what I like to call the pendulum concept. So at any point in your life, take like your productivity and work. You are at some point on the arc of a pendulum. The middle would be like ideal balance. But sometimes you are over here, you're way too regimented. There's way too much structure. You're stressed out. You're getting things done, but you're super stressed. Yeah. So you, you know, let off the gas a little bit or you take some of those structures away. You think, I don't really need to be this regimented. I don't need to have all these different productivity systems and check boxes I need to check. And then the pendulum swings Back to balance for a bit, you feel happy, but of course, inevitably, it's going to swing over here, and eventually, you're feeling like, man, I haven't gotten enough done yeah. in the past week or two, or I just feel really directionless right now. So you're just overcorrecting over and exactly. over and so over. Exactly. So it's always over. that, and the pendulums affect one another. You know, sometimes when you're like perfectly balanced on work because you have a nice balance between systems and freedom, your fitness pendulum is totally over here, like on the totally lethargic Cheeto side. Yeah. So you're like, all right, well, I'm going to do a 30-day challenge where I have to work out every single day. Swings back to balance until, oh, no, I have no more time anymore. I'm literally spending all my time working out, and all my other pendulums are out of whack. So I like to think it uh, think of it in terms of pendulums because pendulums tend to keep swinging. And that helps yeah. me to remind myself that I'm almost never going to get it to come to perfect balance and stay there. And that's okay because that's just how life is. It's like you're never going to get them all to stop and be perfectly balanced and then you're going to be happy all the time because either something bad will happen or you'll get an idea that will stress you again. Yeah, you really shouldn't be waiting for like next month I'm going to start this new system and finally 
My life will be <laughs> so great. It's gonna. I will be happy next month. Like it's that's gonna be the best like, thing ever. There's gonna be something wrong. Yeah, exactly. And if you fixed everything else, karma's going to come in and like break your arm just to show you you don't know anything about life. That does tend to happen. Or even if it's, you know, not breaking your arm, it's something tiny. Like there will be days when I'm working super productively and everything seems to be going well. And then Anna's like, oh, my car stalled on the side of the road. You yeah, got to like, come get me. You think you had control over <laughs> anything, you foolish mortal? There's always something. Yeah. Whatever, whatever old gods are pulling the strings. Cthulhu's throwing a wrench. In yeah, the, in the, or a spanner. What is it? A spanner? Is that the word for a wrench in like UK? Maybe because in the UK they say throw a spanner in the works. That might be all. It makes me think of is a part of the community of community where they're talking about a quantum spanner. So maybe okay, it must be something like that. There's also it's a some band sort of called Chimp Spanner, and I never understood oh. it. Oh, that could but make then sense. I, then I think my friend Simon was the one who said it, like throwing a spanner in the work, and I was like, spanner? You mean like a wrench? And then I was like, oh, Chimp Spanner is a monkey wrench. What? It's clever, right? That could make sense. Anyway, so I want to get into some more practical like, step-by-step things that we can yeah. suggest. Uh, we do have a sponsor this week, though, so I want to go through that real quick before we get into that. So, guys, this week's episode is sponsored once again by FreshBooks. So if you are working for yourself somehow, you're a freelance, maybe web designer, or you're mowing lawns for people, or you're really doing anything that requires you to work for yourself you know as well as I do and as well as you do because you've done this kind of work yourself before in the past that you essentially have to take care of everything in your business yourself. Unless you have a bunch of people on a team doing things for you, it's up to you to do the marketing. It's up to you to do the accounting and invoicing. And that latter thing, the accounting and the invoicing is a pain in the butt. I know when I was a freelancer, I would have to send checks or I would just have to send invoices in the mail to people or I would be able to email them sometimes, but like you never knew when the person was going to see them and you never knew when the money was going to come in. And then, of course, I had to teach myself accounting and I had like keep Excel ledgers and all this kind of stuff. So FreshBooks is a set of tools that helps you to make that a much easier process. First and foremost, you can log into a dashboard and it will show you exactly who owes you what. It will show you how your business is doing so you can kind of keep an eye on where the ship is going and whether or not it's sinking, which is very important when you're doing your own work, even if it's like a small freelance thing. And number two, when it comes to getting paid, you get paid much faster with FreshBooks because they let you send invoices that are super professional looking, super clean looking. You can build them in about 30 seconds with their tools, send them off to your client. And the best part is you get to see when your client has opened it and seen it. And that is a really nice feature. Yeah. The other thing which I like as a client is you can let your clients pay you online. Um, our content manager, Kayla, she always invoices me every single month on FreshBooks and I have I get to pay her in like what, 30 seconds. It's yeah. super easy. Yeah. Here's I have not had to sign a check in bad. so much. Yeah, I know, right? I still have to send checks to the government for like estimated taxes. It'd be kind of nice if like the government would just invoice me with FreshBooks and just be like, you, yeah. you owe this much in taxes for this three-month yeah, order. That, that'd be easy. But they don't do but that. I've seen, I've seen an envelope that wasn't closed all the way and then a check just disappeared. Remember I, that? That did happen. Mm-hmm. That just, was back in Ankeny, wasn't oh, it? Yep. The money's just gone. I guess I'll have to wait for another check. Yeah, well, I'm glad that the the client was like, I'll just send another check. Because yeah. there was a part of me that was like, are they going to believe that this actually happened? Because the envelope was totally open in the mailbox. Yeah. I don't know if someone stole the check or if it just like fell out. But yeah, Through FreshBooks, that would not have happened. No, that wouldn't have <laughs> happened. So uh, if you want to be that freelancer who makes your clients' lives easier and gets paid faster because paying online is super fast, 
then uh, give FreshBooks a try. You can go over to freshbooks.com slash CIG to get a, a 30-day completely free trial with unlimited use. And when you do, make sure to put College Info Geek in that How Did You Hear About Us section so they know you came from this show. So thank you to FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode. And let's get into some of these, I don't know, more concrete tips on how to implement yeah, things. Yeah, we've got the theory down. Yeah, we have the theory down. All right, so what I have written down here, um, like we said earlier, define a singular area of focus. I wanted to flesh this out a bit. So one of the books I recommend on my essential books list is The uh, the Motivation Hacker by Nick Winter. Yeah. And he talks about a concept that it probably goes by many names, but I liked his name for the concept, which is Success Spirals. So essentially, if you look at someone like The Rock or you look at somebody like Oprah, I don't know, all these successful people out there, they're juggling all these balls in the air. They have like everything together. If you try to just immediately start doing the things they're doing or to put it another way, if you try to do the things maybe you were doing six months ago when you were super productive before you got into a rut or mm. got injured or something, thing to specify. you're not going to be able to get back on that train. Because you have sort of lost those habits. Or if you're trying to emulate someone else, you don't have those habits built in. You don't have the infrastructure built in. You know, if you today decide, I want to start competitive cycling and guitar and all these things, like things that I do, not only do I have habits that are going to give me a competitive edge, I just have things set up. Like I've got a bike lock that takes me, I don't know, one-fifth the time to lock my bike well, you as it does your, for you right now. You ride your bike a thousand times more. Exactly. You've got the practice. Yeah, I've got the practice. I've optimized my tools. I've got, you know, my bike jersey and everything. I know exactly when to wash it so it's, like, not dirty. You're going to run into Never. things. You're going to run into all these roadblocks because you haven't yeah. gone little, through Little it tiny questions that you got to research and find the answer to exactly. that you didn't see coming. Or, if you know, if I try to cook like you cook, I'm going to be like, you were telling me the other day that you were cutting some vegetables up in like some weird Japanese method. I couldn't yes. even hear the words you said. Yes. I don't remember exactly which <laughs> method it was at the moment, but it was a fancy Japanese cutting method. I don't method. even know. Yeah, people are going to want to know at some point, but I know the word dice <laughs> and I know the word mince. That's oh. about it. Well, I had to I had to watch the video in Japanese showing me how to do it. So I also learned a bunch of vocabulary while they told me how to cut it in Japanese. Yeah. So if I want to, you know, take some work, cycle though. competitively and skateboard and do guitar and do my work and also cook like Martin Bamey, I don't have time to watch the Japanese video teaching me how to cut vegetables in weird ribbons or whatever it was you were doing. Yeah. I cut them in a little T-Rexes. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm going to do that next time. <laughs> I would like that. Yeah, maybe I will. <laughs> maybe that's how you can I'm get him about to that. eat vegetables. I'm going to think about you that. you got to cut him into T-Rex shapes. Anyway, if you're building up small, you've got time to do that. I've got time. I've got some, you know, some space to breathe and to watch weird Japanese vegetable cutting tutorials. And now I will know how to do that the next time. So once you've built that like first level and you've kind of habitualized those things, now they're easy and you spiral up. And you keep spiraling up and spiraling up and just creating habits, setting up your environment, getting the tools in place you need, optimizing things that need to be optimized until one day you realize, oh, wow, I'm the rock. Yeah. With each Basically. step you take, all the previous steps seem easier and easier and easier until yeah. they're just brainless. You don't need to you don't need to care about them. You know that expert paradox? Oh, like where, yeah. You know, if I were to – if I'm like, yo, teach me PHP and you're like, okay, and then like – you're going to skip over things that you think are so trivial or everyone already knows 
And I'm going to be like, wait, what? Yeah, what if you don't know, like, what an if-then statement kind of thing is? What if you yeah. don't understand for loops? And I'm just jumping in immediately to some weird, I'm going to make this really efficient. Now, here's how you use these variables in, in the best way possible. And you're just like, these, I don't know what yeah. a variable is. Exactly, so, yeah. What's a variable? I don't know about that. Yeah. So, actually, when I worked at the web development center on campus, I had a coworker like that who would try to explain things to me, but he would talk in terms that I didn't have like the foundation to even understand. He'd be like, oh yeah, well this method patches into you know this file over here using MVC architecture. And I'm like, wait, tell me what a method is. Tell me what MVC is. Yeah. <laughs> Every one of those words, please demonstrate. I got hired here because I know how to code in HTML. I don't know all this programming jargon. you know. So you gotta work to slowly build up that foundation. Yeah. Spiral up. And he also mentions the book, if you get into a rut, you know, this is a very important thing. You can't just jump right back into what you were doing. There's a reason you got into the rut, and that reason might be sticking around. And even if it hasn't, it has probably made you somewhat soft. No, it's I mean, I've personally experienced that. After after I had to stop a bunch of stuff for a few years due to my arm injury, which I'm mostly fine now, but gaining everything back, I wanted desperately. If I could have just flipped a switch and been like, ha, prime Martin. Mm-hmm. back i'm super fit again i got all i got my blog run and i got everything going i just i can't there's other stuff going on and i've got to kind of start from scratch on all of these things i have to start as far as exercise goes like i lost so much strength that i'm having to start with what would have been like lower teenage martin working out yeah and now i'm getting i'm getting a lot closer i'm getting up there now mm-hmm. but Starting at such a low level was really frustrating, and I wanted to just skip past it because I'd already done this. I, I earned those achievements. Yeah. But that's just not how it works. Isn't it weird how people can intuitively see that when it comes to physical things like sports or working out, but it's so hard to see when it comes to productivity or mental things? Yeah. Like it's, you know, if you if you haven't played basketball in so long or if you haven't lifted in so long, you're not going to be running into the gym being like, I'm going to go back and bench 300 just like I did three years ago. Or I'm going to go ride 100 miles because I did three years ago. Like you kind of intuitively know, I've lost yeah, it's strength. More concrete, I've lost so stamina. Like you just instinctively understand it. Yeah. But for some reason, when it comes to productivity, we just feel like, oh, well, I was doing that at one point, so I should be able to just jump back into it yeah. because just do discipline. it. Discipline is this. It's just this number. It doesn't ever change. Yeah. I got this little Shia LaBeouf in my head and he's just like. I've been playing video games for the last three months straight, but I guarantee you tomorrow I'm going to be so productive that I'm going to make $10 million. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Okay, so number two, it's all about building habits. So the first thing I want to mention here is find a way to build accountability into it, whether it's having a partner that is keeping tabs on what you're doing or making weird Excel spreadsheets like I do. Um, or using Beeminder. In fact, we just yesterday set up Beeminder for yeah. the videos because I'm like, you know what? I don't always publish every week, and I want to. So clearly there needs to be some external control and accountability set up, so I will do it. Yeah, and so that's what we're trying to optimize for is the production schedule, so it makes sense to put extra effort yep. into maintaining systems for that optimization point. Yeah, I don't want to just be completely relying on We willpower. can't put Beeminder on like everything ever because that would be dumb, and we're just going to fail most of them. On their blog, they warn people against that. They're just like, now, you're going to find that Beeminder is powerful for some people. They find that an external like threat of losing money is very powerful to get you to do something, but... Some of you are going to think like, okay, I'll be mind all the things. 
Yeah. And I've seen people with like 40 active B minders, and it's like, you, you can't do that. <laughs> Every day I'm a robot, and if I fail to be a robot, I'm going to be ruined. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you can't do that. So you have to be somewhat reasonable about your accountability, but it should be there. And then on a you know, even more specific tip here, um, try a 30-day challenge. I've mentioned this in a few videos, and then I went and did it with fitness, and it was like – it was – wonderful for building that habit of working out yeah. or exercising. I, I should say I didn't work out every day, exercise every single day, but having that 30 day challenge in place, posting it on Instagram, basically like saying, I'm going to do this for 30 days. It's sort of like reinvigorated that habit. And not only did it make me do it, it actually made me think about exercise differently. I often would think about it as an obligation, like, Oh, I got to go to the gym. Cause I should or whatever. Yeah. But now it was like, the should is built in. There's no real negotiation there. You're going to go do it. So then I started just getting more interested in it. Like the constraint actually made me more passionate about mm. the thing. So that's why I now like will push myself a little harder on cycling or I will look into things that I may not have tried in the past. Cause it's like, well, you have to exercise. So why not go try something that's cool? Yeah. Why not make it a little fun today? If you, yeah. you, I mean, you have no choice. Mm -hmm. And I just, I found that I've also become more confident. Like, I don't know if I would have tried hiking Pikes Peak before because oh, yeah. it was like 2,000 feet of gain more than I had done and double the distance walking than like anything I'd done in the past. Yeah, a little I'm intense. Like, you know what? I think I can do it. I think I can. I think I will survive this. And, you know, if not, I'll just die in the forest. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But the 30-day challenges are a great idea. And the part of the reason that I like them, and I used to do just monthly, but now what – they're the same thing. It doesn't really matter. Mm -hmm. But what I like about them is that 30 days or a month or whatever is enough time for you to actually do something that you feel good about on one focus. But it is not so long that you're going to start thinking, but what about these other things I'm missing out on? So if I say, I'm going to exercise every day for the next year, that's, obviously, that's if I did that, I would have done a lot. It would be a crazy amount of accomplishment. I'd probably be way more fit. But during that whole year, I'm focused on one thing. So I'm going to be thinking, what about these other things that I'm now failing at? Yeah. I'm forgetting everything I love. But a month is long enough to do something that makes me feel proud, maybe build a habit, but it's not so long that I have to shut out everything for good. Yeah. It's a, it's a great amount of time. I think it was perfect for me. And I've tried weekly and biweekly, but they never prove long enough to do something where I feel like I was worth doing. The month thing has set like this default um default mode in my head where it's like when i think of something i want to go do for fun i now default to exercise where in the past i might not have as much so now i'm just like on sunday let's go climb a mountain or yeah. today i really want to go put in 50 miles on the bike yeah and you'll like, just bike places that you have to go just because well why not bike there? yeah i actually pick coffee shops now based on how far away they are so i can get you know a good 16 miles in if i you know go to an eight mile away coffee shop so I just, it's just made me think differently in a more healthy way, I think. Yeah. So that is what we are trying to do with the cooking thing now. I think at some point we've got some travel coming up, but we want to do like a 30 day challenge for cooking. Okay. And it may not be cook every night because I think it's a little restrictive to never be able to go out to dinner with your friends or something, but maybe it's five or six nights a week. Yeah. You know, or only go out to eat if you get invited by friends or something like that. We'll figure out the details. But I'm hoping that the same thing happens where once the requirement is in place, now I'll be able to think a little more creatively because 
none of my brain power is occupied by how can I rationalize my way out of this? Yeah. It's like, no, it's there. So choose what you're going to make. It can be an easy thing yeah, or get you it could over with. challenge yourself and make something new and hard. Um, so the, the, the next thing is the thing I'm most excited to talk about. When you are trying to improve in any area, you often turn to the internet and you look at what other people are doing. Yes. And then you think, all I have to do is follow that person's schedule or that person's routine or that person's advice and I will get to where I want to go. So what I think you should do is ask yourself, what about this thing do you like? Basically, like know yourself. So I'm going to expand on this with uh, with cycling. Over the past, I don't know, 10 years, I've just been like critically asking myself, what are the things that I like? What are like the aspects of any activity that I do that I truly come to enjoy? And I don't know if this is an exhaustive list, but I've kind of boiled it down to a few different things. So the things my brain loves include momentum, and that means like physical momentum. Like I like moving fast oh, like and you, not you having like to stop. Going fat, like roller coasters and running. And roller coasters, and... running, rollerblading, whatever kind of things. In fact, uh, I really love living in this part of the city rather than downtown because I hate having to stop at stoplights. And whenever I'm in New York City, my brain like gets really angry knowing that I probably have to stop at a stoplight at the next block. So here, like having the trail outside of our apartment, I can just go and it's great. My brain loves that. And it loves it in many things. Uh, variation is another quality of really anything, just being able to do different things. Um, challenge. So I don't like to do the easy things over and over again. I love challenge. And this goes in hand in hand with challenge discovery. It's like when I was editing video, I would get very frustrated having to do the same thing over and over again. But if I came up with an idea that required me to learn a new animation technique or a new film technique, that's when my brain comes alive. And you and I were talking about this the other day, like we're making a video and I'm like, I don't know how I feel about this video until I come up with, you know, some really dumb joke that I need to go learn yeah. like half of a calculus concept to be able to implement like that I love. And then this is a weird one. Cause I think like variation challenge discovery, those are all like concepts people can get their head around pretty easily. Um, the fifth one, I called it complex paths and mapping. So my brain is fascinated by learning like intricate maps, learning intricate software, um, like mapping out skateboarding lines in my head that are really complex. Like when we played Tony Hawk as a kid, I loved figuring out like the most complicated line to do a combo on. So, and I don't know if that makes sense to everybody, but I just, I guess to make it make more sense, I would contrast it against something else. I don't like running in a circle. And I hate running on the treadmill. But if I map out like a really complex route in the city that I haven't been to before, that fascinates me. Okay. Number one, because there's discovery. But number two, I know that I'm now learning Denver more concretely than before. Now I have a more intimate understanding. And um, one of my favorite scenes in Sherlock is from the first episode where the villain is like driving away in the cab and they're on foot and they're trying to mm. chase him. And he just like does this thing where he like, goes into his head and maps perfectly out like the best shortcut through the alleyways in London. And I'm like, that's super cool. So my brain just loves weird maps. Um, I always loved making like time splitters to custom maps as a mm, kid. Yeah. Just like stuff like that. So I keep these things in mind when I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to go about building a skill I want to build or do something I want to do with cycling. 
I don't do the same routes over and over again. A lot of cyclists will be like, well, you need to establish a route that you usually do and then work to improve your times on certain segments. A lot of cyclists do that. I but hate you, that. You just hate that kind I hate of concept. That. Just like the thought of going and cycling the same route for the point of cycling turns me off so much. I'm like, nope, don't want to do it. Now, I'll cycle the same route to get somewhere I'm going. You know, if we want to go to the bike cafe, yeah, I'm happy to cycle that. But if I'm going out just to ride my bike for exercise, I need to map out a new route that teaches me a little bit more about my city that allows me to discover something I haven't seen before. Because and it, you know, it takes all the boxes. Momentum, because I'm on my bike, moving quickly. Discovery, challenge, because it's a new thing that I haven't done before. I have to kind of memorize the route and everything. And again, complex paths and mapping. So I'm happy with that kind of a thing. And somebody else listening to this who wants to get into cycling might actually care a lot more about seeing their times improve. I think a lot of times when you hear about how one person is doing something, they explain it in very um, persuasive terms because it's what's working for them. But you can explain the opposite thing in very persuasive terms as well. Oh, yeah. Just because I I say the way that I bike, it doesn't mean that you know, going and training on intervals that you've ridden a million times is bad because some people love that and they're going to be able to justify it and defend it in a million different ways that are going to sound equally awesome. So really you got to go out and you just got to see what you like. Yeah. You can't, you can't just accept somebody else's like opinion as your own just because they're being successful Mm -hmm. because then you're sacrificing yourself to get their success, but you really want your success. Yeah. And I think this applies to the activities you choose as well. There's parts of me that are like you need to be more muscular why because people you look up to are more muscular but you know what i hate being in the gym yeah i hate it <laughs> like, it's like I'll that, still do it it's but. like that don't do list that you have you, you you were talking about how like you could practice japanese again yes but that also is absolutely not a priority over the other things you care more about right now and exactly. you shouldn't do it just to look smart on the internet yeah, yeah. Or just to, you know, be, I don't know, live up to some vision of what I think I should look like. Yeah. You know, it is a priority of mine to be strong. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't have like, my impossible list might say bench 300. I don't really care about that right now, to be honest. Um, I want to be able to defend myself. I want to be able to be strong for reasons that are just practical. But I know don't become a, a power lifter. Don't become like a competitive bodybuilder because I don't like what is required to do that. I go back to what my brain likes, momentum, the challenge, the variation. Well, what sports fit into that? Skateboarding, cycling, skiing, figure skating, those kind of things. Yeah. And you can be healthy doing those things as well. So go do that. Maybe for you it's martial arts or maybe for you it's tennis. Who knows what it is? I have thought about both of those things. Yeah. You just, you have to know yourself. So when you're going through all this advice people give you on the internet, ask yourself like what, aspects of any activity do I really enjoy and does this actually fit within those aspects and if not is it worth it for me to deny my brain the enjoyment in that dimension to gain whatever it is I'm going to gain by following this piece of advice or this routine yeah it might not be it might be all right I don't know if you had anything else Uh, I have a couple more here well if you've got things that are in an order then we could just we could just go through those the stuff that I've got written down it can kind of just circle in whenever it's necessary but I want I want to hear the rest of your process here okay so the uh, the next two things or I guess the last two things one was what to do when you derail because inevitably there's always going to be failures of some kind for some reason maybe 
family shows up in town, you have to hang out with them. You can't exercise today. Focus on the trend, not perfection. And I think, yeah, I don't remember how you said at one point, like, don't well, make the second this, mistake. Yeah, there's this James Clear, I think, article. Sorry if you're not the author and I just misattributed this <laughs> article. I'll, I'll link to it. But it's don't, don't, or avoid the second mistake, something like that. Because if you fail once, you've got, if I had my new system, and you know, my 30-day challenges I've been talking about, and I'm writing them down because I want to keep track of which things I focused on throughout the year, because I think that's pretty cool. And... The thing is, I know that at some point in the next year, I might mess up a day. If I end up in the ER, I am not going to stay up all night in the ER trying to read Spanish for 40 minutes. Yep. It, that is dumb. But So what I've decided is that I'm going to put it like a check mark on ones that I did. But if mm-hmm. I didn't, I'm just going to put a fraction, like 29 out of 30, because that's still worth being proud of. Proud yeah. of. Like I still did something, even if it wasn't perfect. And failure is inevitable in certain areas. You're going to fail a little bit. You can't yep. be perfect, and you can't hate yourself for not doing that. If I wasn't open and saying I might put 29 out of 30 if I mess up, if I do have to do that later, I might feel horrible. Yeah. And I only failed once. Tomorrow, if I do it and then I keep going, it's just one. It's just the 29 out of 30. Mm-hmm. If I now feel bad the whole week and don't do it at all, now I'm down to 25, 23 out of 30. I yeah. just screwed up a whole week because I felt down about one day. It's not yeah. a pattern until you've done it more than once. Yeah, and failing once gives you an opportunity to prove that one failure won't derail you. Yeah, and if you do fail, maybe write down, why did I fail? Yep. How do I make sure this doesn't happen tomorrow? I failed because I stupidly put it off until the very end of the day, and then I ended up staying up so late, and I fell asleep during my goal, and I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I should do it earlier in the day tomorrow to avoid that. Yeah, and that's useful because, I mean, you know this as much as I do. Failure is a better teacher than success is. Yeah. You know, maybe I'm not reading. Why am I not reading? Oh, it's because I won't prioritize reading at the end of the day, so I should read first because I will always utilize time pressure to get work done, but I might not yeah. do that yeah, the I've same that way same for calculation. Reading. Like, I will totally stay up all night to do this work, but I'll say I could start my exercise tomorrow, mm-hmm. so I should not put exercise last where I might not do it. Yeah, exercise first, read first. And that's not advice. I am saying you should take blanket across the board. That's what works for me. No, so. well, the thing is when you're getting <laughs> advice from somebody else, whether it's a 30-day challenge or a habit or B-Mind or Habitica, a new system of any sort, you shouldn't say I'm going to apply this perfectly to me. And I've sat down multiple times. I've written out lists. What are the things I like? What do I care about? Mm -hmm. What are the things I'm trying to manage? What does my schedule look like? What happens when I drag them around on these days of the week? What if I were to do it this way? It has to fit me because essentialism says cut as much as you can. And I say, but language is essential to me and I'm studying three of them. Mm -hmm. So you didn't tell me how to juggle three of them. Therefore, I have to make it work for me somehow. And Mm -hmm. I'm choosing sequential challenges. But if I wasn't willing to do that, am I just going to cut two languages that I really enjoy to fit into the book? No. I think what is the essence of what they're saying? What they're saying is that you will make better progress on something if you focus on one thing at a time and give all your effort toward it. How can I take that concept, ignore their framework for it, take that concept and apply it to my needs that I've written down? Mm -hmm. Well, I could be essentialist about one thing one month at a time. And then throughout the year, I've had periods where I was essential on this. And then throughout the rest of the months, I just maintain them so that they don't go down. But then they do go up every once in a while. Yeah. 
And if I wasn't willing to take the the background concept, which was if you focus on one thing at a time, you'll do better, then I would have been frustrated by mm-hmm. one of my favorite productivity books making me have to give up stuff I love. Yeah, exactly. So before I go on to the next part, which is my last thing on the list, I do want to go back to something that I forgot to say with the whole like know yourself, you know, don't take advice at face value. I think a lot of people get into situations where they want to improve something, but they have no clue where to start. In those cases, it's totally fine to just prescribe yourself a routine that somebody else made perfectly. Oh, yeah. You know what? If somebody walked in here and they were like, here's a meal plan with exact recipes, exact dates, that would be useful to me, actually. Well, that's what I'm doing my workout app. Yeah, your workout app tells you exactly how to work out. Um, Our friend Clyde was like not exercising for so many years and then he wanted to start running. So what does he do? Couch to 5K app. Yeah, I don't have time to think about this solution. Just tell me what to do first and then I can figure it out for me later. Yeah, he doesn't want to think about complex maps or variation or new routes. He just is like, he wants a thing to say, go out and run 2.4 kilometers today. And then tomorrow you're going to run 2.6 or however that system works. You just follow it. Yeah. So sometimes you want to achieve the goal and you are totally willing to just submit to somebody else's curriculum because it is very likely to get you there. That's fine. So don't take away from this episode that you need to like literally question everything no matter what. Sometimes it's totally cool to be like, sensei, just tell me what to do. Yeah. Well, I'll sometimes scrub the mop or the that's more useful and mop than the floors. pretending you have an answer when you know you don't. Yeah. So my tip there was more about like asking yourself if, if the schedules or the advice people are giving you are making you unhappy, think about it. You know, just think about what your brain enjoys. Yeah. Be a little more if it doesn't already fit and you're, and you're not okay with it for some reason, mm-hmm. you can change it to fit you. Yeah. So the last thing I had listed here is a quote from Peter Drucker, which is simply what gets measured gets managed. So if you mm, want yes. to make progress, you need to be measuring that progress and have some sort of review mechanism. So for our business, we just implemented like a Monday meeting. So Monday meetings are going to include some sort of like, what happened last week? Did it match up to what we intended to do? If not, what can we do to start closing that gap? Yeah, If why, we never do that, and you and I know this very well, if we never do that, we never actually make improvements. We just say, well, next week we're going to be much more productive <laughs> yeah, somehow. Like, like earlier, next month is going to be the perfect month our lives are going to be so great. Yeah. But that's just kind of ignoring that the fault may have been partially your own and mm-hmm. not a magic system. You need to find what is the weakness. Yeah. And remember that not all successes are equal. When I was doing my reading challenge, sometimes I'd be reading at 11.59 p.m. trying to finish my 25 pages. Sometimes I would wake up and I would make some tea and I would read my 25 pages in the morning. And that is a greater success. Both technically met the requirements of the challenge. But one is much better than the other. So ask yourself, maybe I did get everything done, but could there be any improvements to my process that makes it more enjoyable or that, you know, makes it a better success in the other way? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I have. Um, If there's anything else that you have to add, let's get it said. But I do want to try to boil what we've said down a bit. Well, I think think boiling it down might be good. So basically – First, you got to find your problem. Yes. Right? You've got to determine what is the thing you want to focus on right now because you can't optimize for more than one thing at once, mm-hmm. or at least in any reasonably effective way. 
It doesn't mean you got to give everything up. No. But you have to choose like what needs to remain status quo and with whatever leftover energy, where will I optimize? Yeah. What is the thing I will sacrifice other things for? Yeah. And then maybe maybe you go out, you find your books, you find you read a book, you read a productivity book, you find a podcast, you read an article, mm-hmm. and then you you see their solutions. Yes. Now, if you're a if you're a beginner, you don't know anything, and you just want to blindly follow it because their schedule happens to fit your calendar perfectly, or their ideas work for you. Go ahead, you can do that. But if it doesn't work for you, then you're gonna to want to try to boil down what the point of it is. Yeah. Take the concepts that make their make their program work and fit it into your desires and to your limitations and your weaknesses and your requirements of life because we're all very busy. Yep. And that happens. And then you're going to want to make that into a habit. Mhm. And I'm just going to say do a 30-day challenge. Yeah. That's that's straight see, up. It's so easy to say. If you don't that. have a better idea, there's that formula right there. Make mm-hmm. a 30-day challenge because I have on my whiteboard that I have a grid, just marking it off every day. And given that so long, I felt like I was kind of floundering in languages because I was like, but essentialism said this, and I want three. I want three. I'm not cutting them. Now I can finally say, I'm making progress in one of them. And that actually feels good. The other two can be on maintenance mode until next month. That's fine. Mm -hmm. For once, I'm doing something. And the check marks remind me. Because otherwise, daily life can become routine enough that you kind of like, I'll forget my own accomplishments. Yeah. I won't even know I did it. But with the 30-day challenge, if you're tracking it, you can't forget and then suddenly feel guilty because today didn't go well. You can say, well, the last 20 days went well. Yeah, exactly. So let's keep going. Yep. Um, one thing that we should mention early on in this process is just, like, start early and don't worry if it's perfect. Because a lot of people are like, well, if I'm going to start guitar, I need to have the perfect guitar book and I need to have all these picks and everything. It's just like, no. Oh, no. Pick up the old crappy guitar in the corner with the dust on it that has five strings and just pluck away. Yeah. Because there is always delusions of this perfect start that's going to optimize everything and, and set you along the path of perfectly progressing. And that's a, it's a lie. The perfect start is the start that you don't put off for stupid, like, external reasons. Like, I need this $4,000 guitar or else yeah. my notes won't sound as good. Well, you can't, you can't even play any chords. That's just an excuse. Like it's going to sound like a, bad on that guitar too. You better stop it. That's that's using the anticipation of again that perceived big jump in progress through buying a thing, which is easy to put off the hard stuff. Yeah. So you cannot put off the hard stuff and all this 30-day challenge, this accountability, this prioritization is all designed to optimize your ability to put time into the hard stuff. And you know what? If a 30-day challenge that's just check marks on a whiteboard like you uh, have is not enough, you need to build accountability into it. So yeah. it could be, you know, an Instagram thing like I did. It could be an Excel sheet that one person has access to where they'll go in and check once a week that you did what you said you were going to do. And if not, they can cut your shoes in half or you have to do yeah. their laundry or whatever it is. Could be a Habitica party. Yeah, could be a Habitica party. Something. Or, yeah, Habitica parties are great, actually. Um, there are also challenges on Habitica that you can make so you can build a group and then build a specific challenge, which is kind of cool. Um, find a way to make it fun or find a way to make it fit into the way your brain works if you don't want to follow some sort of specific schedule. And then remember to focus on the trend and don't make the second mistake. Prove to yourself that one derailment is not going to permanently derail you. Lastly, measure what you do. Have some sort of review mechanism. It could be just at the end of the week when you do your academic reviews. That would work 
Yeah. And you should celebrate your success, even if it's mm-hmm. just looking at that last week and saying, I did that. Yeah. Nice. I'm going to play video games this afternoon. I'm just going to mess around because I'm succeeding. You should give yourself credit where credit is due. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I think that, that'll do it. Um, hopefully this little distillation helped you guys at the end here. And thank you for listening. If you want to find the show notes for this episode, if you're on YouTube, you can always click that link in the description down below. Otherwise, for audio listeners, CIGpodcast.com slash 176 is that link that'll get you over there. That'll also link you to a place where you can go rate and review the show on iTunes. And that is a great way to support this show. So if you want to help the show grow, a great way to do that is to write one of those ratings and reviews. (laughs) I can't do this outro seriously. (laughs) Also, once again, thanks to our sponsor, FreshBooks. And if you want to get a free 30-day trial of FreshBooks and start improving the way that you deal with accounting and invoicing and getting paid by your clients if you do have a freelance business, uh, freshbooks.com slash CIG is the place to go and put College Info Geek in that how did you hear about us section to let them know you came from this show. I think that is all we have to say. So once again, thanks so much for listening and we will see you next week. Stay cute.